Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Pastor Jared. Uh, thank Pastor Barry and the band for leading us this morning. Hey, I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Uh, this whole weekend seems to be full of celebrations. I know my wife and I and family celebrated 4th of July. Uh, a lot of fireworks going on. I want to give a shout out to my neighbor for shooting fireworks all, out at all times of the night. Uh, I appreciate him. And uh, uh, Friday morning at 2 a.m., still hearing those go off. That was great. But hey, it, uh, it was a good weekend. There was a lot of celebrations. I know that uh, picnics were going on. There was uh, food and all kinds of stuff. And it made me start thinking like, well, how big is this celebration, this freedom we have? So I did a little research, found out that uh, 25 million pounds of fireworks were set off this weekend. 41 million people spent uh, 4th of July at someone else's home. 75 million Americans barbecued. 150 million hot dogs were consumed. 190 million pounds of red meat were purchased and consumed. And a staggering 700 million pounds of chicken were bought and consumed this week for 4th of July. I didn't even know that that was possible to have 700 million pounds of chicken, but it is. So it's a celebration. It's a good time. Uh, I don't know if you, if you had a picnic, but uh, we, it's, it's a celebration everywhere. We're celebrating our freedom. If anybody would tell you, though, if you've ever been overseas, you'll realize that uh, not everybody's celebrating uh, freedom. I know that uh, my wife and I had an opportunity a few years back to have a missions trip, and uh, we were on this missions trip, and it was 4th of July, and the students got up, and they decided to wear their red, white, and blue, and uh, carry their American flags, and have the uh, 4th of July sunglasses. Uh, the issue was there was that we were in England at the time, London specifically, and uh, we were going to do a tour around London. We thought maybe not the best uh, outfit to wear. Because, hey, not everybody is celebrating freedom. Not everybody is celebrating independence. You learn very quickly that we as Americans celebrate it, but not everybody else does. So we look at this passage this morning. One of the things that, as I was studying this week, that was brought to my attention is that while we may be celebrating our freedom, not everybody is really celebrating true freedom when it comes to their, to their spiritual walk with God. We may have parties and cookouts and eat hot dogs and 700 million pounds of chicken. But some of us are still captive inside. Some of us aren't really feeling very true freedom. My prayer as we look at this passage is that we understand what true freedom really is all about. So with that, will you pray with me? God, thanks for today. Father, thank you so much for the children that were baptized and dedicated here this morning. Bless them and their families, Father bless us as a church to help lead them as well. Father, be with us as we uh, look at your word this morning. Thank you for teaching us things. Father, pray that uh, you use my lips and speak through me, use my heart. I pray it's your heart, Father, and I pray that you enter into this place, Father, and we feel your presence from our head to our toes, understanding your word and applying it to our lives in your name. Amen. As Pastor Barry already read the passage this morning, one of the things that you, uh, will probably stick out to you is you, you've, you've seen the phrase, or maybe you've heard the phrase, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And as I was studying this, I realized, you know, we really could spend weeks on this passage, but it's 4th of July, we're going to spend one day on it, so I'm kind of going to try to summarize it. But the, the real question here is, is, the one of the obvious questions is, is what, what is the truth, and what are we really being set free from? I mean, I think we can all point to something uh, in our lives when we think about truth and uh, being set free. We think about some oppression. We probably think about, hey, you know, we were set free from a tyranny of another country. Uh, we were set free from something bad, something that gripped our life. 
I know for me, I remember experiencing true freedom of something that happened to me as a child. And uh, as I said in the 9 o'clock, I don't even know why I'm telling you this story, but I will anyway. Um, one of the things that I struggled with as a child uh, was wetting the bed. And uh, we, we couldn't get control of it. Uh, I don't know why, but it just happened. And so my parents tried everything. And so finally, my parents came across this, this t- device, uh, this torturous device, it seemed like to me at the time. It was a metal sheet that you lay on, if you've ever seen these things. And it was hooked up to wires on all sides. And what would happen is if it got wet, an alarm would go off. I quickly realized that the night, that, that first night after it got wet, it wasn't just a simple alarm. It was like an air raid. It was the most ear-piercing alarm I've ever heard. The entire household woke up, came into the room, was like, oh, Jared, you wet the bed. Oh, that's great. Three nights of that church, I tell you what, three nights of that, and that was it. I was totally cured of that. A week later, I never wet the bed since then. It was a freedom we had. It was something that was gripping us, and we moved through it. And I think we can all point to things in our lives that are really controlling us. Obviously, it's, it's not wetting the bed. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. But there's always there's, there's sin. There's oppression. There's things in our life that we're dealing with that are gripping us, that are controlling us. And we need to experience that freedom. One of the things, too, is that when we think of freedom, we think of, we think of um, being released from something bad, something bad in our life. But isn't it interesting that we can be released and be free to do something as well? That's why when we think about the Declaration of Independence, it was freedom from tyranny and what? Freedom to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Freedom to do something as well. That's what this, this passage is about. It's not only freedom from sin, but it's freedom to do something, to live and follow Christ. Follow him as disciples. As you look at this verse, and it's, uh, it's going to come up on the screens or in your service sheets, verse uh, 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him. Understand that these Jews already believed, or they thought they did. Clearly, they were inclined to think that, hey, what Jesus was said was true, but they were not prepared to follow him. This is what one of the, a theologian, Leon Morris, says this is the most dangerous spiritual state to recognize the truth is in Jesus and to do nothing about it means we really arrange ourselves with an enemy of the Lord. That's why these people are kind of the, the folks that Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower, when they falls on rocky soil. They believe, but when temptation comes, they're kind of dragged away. They weren't really living and acting like disciples of Christ. Understand that when we are freed, Christ freed us, we are free to follow him. And we need to be following him. Why? Because it's evidence of a changed life. Evidence of a changed life. That's why James 2.17 says, Faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is dead. We need to be following Christ freely. The word disciple there, uh, and Jesus goes on to say, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. The word disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, which means to adhere to. To follow a spiritual leader. Not just, not just listen to it and understand it, but actually follow it. It's evidence of a changed life. And the Jews weren't doing that. The key verse, if you have your Bibles, is 1 John 5. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love of God to keep his commands. And his commands aren't burdensome. The victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 
We follow Christ freely as disciples. We need to have evidence of a changed life. The key here is, as you already see, it's if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. The key isn't, if you hold my teachings, you will become my disciples. Because that would have been really tragic if he said that. Because that means that we would have to follow him and his commands and his teachings in the Bible in order to earn our salvation. We've been talking that through the book of Acts the past couple months. That it's nothing that we do. Christ died for us. We put our faith and trust in him. He washes us clean of his grace. It's nothing that we do. And then we follow him. That's why Ephesians 2 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, so that no man can boast. We don't follow his commands. We don't follow Christ and his teachings. We don't listen to scripture and follow what it says because we're trying to earn salvation. We do it because it's evidence of a changed life. And the Jews weren't doing that. So my question for you this morning, my first question, is first of all, are you trying to earn your salvation? Are you trying to do something, work, come to church, follow his commands in effort to earn your salvation? Because I say... It's futile. It's all by grace. The second question is, for those that already do believe, do you have evidence of a changed life? Can people look at your life and say, you know what? That's really a follower. Because they really are a disciple. They are really following what God commanded us to do. As we look at verse 33 and 34, it says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So here these Jews are, they're thinking, okay, I'm following God, but they they really weren't. They think, oh, well, because I'm Abraham's descendants, I'm already a Christian. Jesus is saying, very truly, which means it's great importance. He's saying, listen to me. You are under total control of sin in your life. Sin is like a cruel taskmaster. It controls every aspect of an unbeliever's life. It enslaves us to various lusts and pleasures and the bondage of iniquity. See, their actions show them to be really true children of Satan, of of under sin. They weren't living as disciples. They weren't holding to God's teaching. As slaves, they were deceived. They desperately needed to be set free, true freedom. They thought they had it, but they weren't. See, one of the wonderful things about this passage is, is that the truth is, is that Christ set us free because he's overcome the world. He set us free from sin and oppression. But he also, he also allows us to have a relationship to him so we can come to him in times of need, in times when we're getting attacked. That's the truth, that we can come to him. You may be thinking, well, is there really that much trouble in life? You know, some pastors will say, you know, well, once you become a Christian, as long as, as long as you're doing good things, nothing bad will ever come to you. And I think we all know that that's kind of a silly answer. We can all point to things in our life that are kind of attacking us or or being spiritually attacked. That's why John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. See, we aren't just free to do whatever we want. We need to be following him. But that's what happens in our culture today. You can see this. Is people have this idea that, hey, there's really no absolute truth, or there's different philosophies, and it all kind of gets mixed up, and it all kind of boils down to, hey, whatever you believe is true, that's what's true. And you should just follow that. Just live the way you want to live. That's freedom. 
That's why the pursuit of happiness, people look at that and go, well, I'm, I'm pursuing happiness, Jared. That's what it's all about. Unfortunately, when people follow their own will, their own fleshly desires, it always leads to it always leads to sin. It always leads to uh, emptiness and destructive passions. That's why C.S. Lewis says, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will neither get comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking, and in the end, despair. Why? Because of Galatians 5. What's Galatians 5 say? It says, so I walk by the Spirit, that you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with one another, says Galatians. So that you can't do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. Why? Because if we're led to do whatever we want, we're going to follow the fleshly desires of our life. We're going to do what we think is happy. And it always leads to, to hopelessness. It always leads to emptiness. You just think, well, what is the fleshly desires? Galatians goes on to t- say, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. The list goes on and on and on. So we can't just be free to live however we want. Because we're always going to follow the flesh. That's why, with kids, that's why I love the dedications this morning. As anybody can tell you that you have kids, you grow up. You don't need to tell your kids how to lose their temper. You don't need to tell your kids how to be jealous of their sibling. You don't need to tell your kids how to be angry or how to lie. They already do that naturally, don't they? We have to tell them how to be good, not to be jealous, not to lose your temper. We do that. Why? Because they follow the flesh. And we do it, we'll do it every time. That's why we're free. We're free to follow what God's command us to do. In light of this, verse 35 and 36, it says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, these Jews, they didn't really believe. They're enslaved to sin, and unfortunately, those enslaved to sin will not enter heaven. The only way to be released from bondage of sin's grip is to be united in faith to Christ. He's our comforter. He's our guidance. He's, he's our deliverer. He's our healer. He's our restorer. He sets the captives free. Why? Because he has overcome the world. That's why Romans 6 says, For we know that our self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has already been free from sin. Romans 6.22 goes on to say, but now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and eternal life. So my question for you is, are you enslaved to something, a sin in your life? Is there something gripping you this morning that you're enslaved to? That you need Christ. You know, as I was reading this passage and studying it this week, I kept being drawn to Mark chapter 5. Mark 5. There's a story there of a, a man who was so gripped with sin. And Jesus came and saved him. Mark 5. It says, They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. 
No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from the distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Now, you, now people will say, Well, Jared, are you saying that we can be possessed by, by demons as Christians? No, I, didn't, I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that we can be attacked. In this world, you will have trouble. We, we think, well, Jared, if, 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 if we can't, if that isn't possible, why would you even bring this story up of a man who's, who's enslaved in sin, he's running around in tombs and cutting himself with stones? I am nothing like that guy. And I say, hold on, not so fast. Because this guy was totally, totally hopeless. And gripped with sin, a sin in his life that he couldn't control. People tried. They bind him with chains. They held him down. Nobody was strong enough to do it. He was totally hopeless. Some of you in this room feel totally hopeless. You've been dealing with something in your life for a long time, and you feel like, you know what? There's no hope there. There's no hope. You think, well, you may not be enslaved in tombs running around the graveyard, but you may be enslaved in your basement in front of the Internet watching pornography. You might be enslaved at the store with an impulse to buy. You might be enslaved in your household with an impulse to binge eat. You may not be stuck running around graveyards, but you might be stuck in a bar. You might be stuck with fits of rage and anger, walking around with more anxiety than you can deal with, and it's controlling every aspect of your life. Maybe you're enslaved at work, trying to earn more, do more, be more. And you go through life totally enslaved, uncontrolled. Nothing can control this guy. We're left with the problem, so what they do, they push him out. The villagers push him out into the village. We're left with a picture, aren't we, of Satan's goal. How sin can grip somebody. And the impression that it happens. He used self-imposed pain. He used stones to cut himself. We're more sophisticated, aren't we? We use the internet, we use drugs, we use alcohol, work, sex, violence. Endless restlessness, day and night, he suffered with this. Some people have been dealing with things in their life for years. I've talked to you, and you think, oh, I, I'm just hopeless. All hope is lost. And you feel totally isolated. You're in a room right now with hundreds of people, and you feel all alone, because you think I'm talking right to you. Well, what did he do? He ran and fell at Jesus' feet. And Jesus, who has power over the world, I have overcome the world, says, come out of him. He heals him. Right then and there. Jesus doesn't stop and say, well, let's go revisit the past and see what led up to these things. That's why in counseling, one of the things that we, I help people do is maybe you can understand it, but why you've gotten to the point where you are. But I don't focus on it because... People use it as an excuse to stay there. Greater is he that is in you that is in the world. So how do we do it? We have to totally submit to God. That's why James 4 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. The first part of that is submit to God. We have to submit first. Not just with our minds, but with our entire wills. Say, God, I need you in this. I'm hopeless. I've tried everything to get through this. 
and I'm totally stuck. And I really need you. I need you to set me free from this. Because he's overcome the world. It's total submission. That's why one theologian writes, teach us to pray that we may cause the enemy to flee. That we, his evil power, may bind his prisoner to set free. My prayer is that we have this freedom in our lives. That we can get rid of this, this grip on our life. If it's sin or oppression, God has already set up that relationship so you can come to him. And totally submit to him. That's why he died. That's why he came. So we could restore that relationship. But we have to be totally submitted to him. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they do, understand the last part of the verse is that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And remind you of the verse in Galatians 5 where it says, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let the burdens of yoke of slavery be on you. My question for you this morning as they come up, is there something in your life that, is, is, that you're in bondage over? Is there some sin, something in your life that's controlling you? And all hope is lost. And maybe you've never put your, your, your faith and trust in Jesus, and you can do that today. Restore that relationship to him so you can submit to him. You know, I wonder about that guy. I wonder about that guy on the shores there. Because what an ugly picture of a man. But when Christ got there, he saw something so beautiful inside. To know that he can set him free because he's already overcome the world. Freedom, true freedom, is the act of releasing ourselves from the bondage of sin that keeps us from living the way God meant us to live. So we look at what true freedom really is not only the truth that God died for us but he set that relationship so we can come to him and he can set us free truly free my prayer is that we can come to the communion table knowing that Christ has set us free and that we're free indeed and that next time we have a 4th of July that we don't just celebrate freedom as Americans we celebrate freedom we have in Christ. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you have overcome the world, Father. And those things that we're dealing with, those fleshly things, Father, you've already overcome them, Father. And you can heal us. You can restore us, Father. Father, I pray that you move in this place this morning, Father. That you lay it on our hearts, Father, to submit fully to you, Father. And Father, as we come to your table, Father, help us to know what true freedom is really all about in your name.